Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. On today's episode, I'm rejoined by friend of the podcast, Jesse Meschuk, human resources expert and senior advisor with Execuity, a full-service executive compensation consulting firm. If you're a regular listener of the HR Works podcast, then you are certainly familiar with Jesse and his great work as he joined us for a pair of episodes back in 2023 and has been a regular contributor to hrdailyadvisor.com, offering up some really insightful articles over the past year. Jesse brings more than 20 years of HR and consulting experience into the advisory work that he's been doing with Execuity since joining their consulting firm in 2022. He's worked globally across a wide variety of industries, including technology, entertainment, gaming, retail, hospitality, and sports. And to learn more about Jesse's HR career journey and how he found his initial spark, I'd highly recommend checking out Jesse's first appearance on the HR Works podcast from February of 2023. That's episode 227. Can ChatGPT be your next great HR tool? Jesse actually will help us offer some great predictions for HR trends in 2024 that include the role of technology and AI in an article that we're dropping on the same day that this episode of the HR Work Podcast drops on hrdailyadvisor.com. And that's titled Top Human Resources Trends of 2024. But look, Jesse was kind enough to come back here today and help us get the new year kicked off, share some of his latest projects that he's been working on, and help us look at some of those HR trends that he's seeing on the horizon for 2024. One in particular that I really want to dig into today is that approach to total rewards and equity incentive awards as a pathway to attracting and retaining top talent in 2024. So without further ado, let's get Jesse Welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Jesse, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thanks for coming back. It's great to see you and Happy New Year. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Uh, great to be here with you guys again and excited to be uh, a third time guest. Yeah, you are our first three-peat guest here. Again, I think that officially puts you in friend of the podcast territory. But thanks for coming back. And again, excited to be working with you this year in 2024. As part of a regular check-in that we're going to do with you throughout the year, meeting quarterly to talk about all the great and interesting things that are happening in the HR community. Great. Yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. So with that, what's something new that you've been focused on in your advisory work at Executy since we last connected back in September? Yeah, well, you know, as we get toward the end of the year in 23 and beginning of 24, that's when a lot of companies are moving toward their year-end activities. So things like getting ready for performance reviews and what's going to happen around, you know, annual merit increases and budgets and setting goals for the year. So a lot of my clients are in that territory right now. And for many of your HR listeners, this is the busy season for them. So leading in to help out there. And, you know, one of the things associated with that is we've had in prior years, maybe during the pandemic, when there was inflation that was rising a little bit more, budgets were a little bit more lenient. And now we're starting to see budgets tightening and the push on how to differentiate key talent and still retain them and make sure you're still doing the right things you need to do for all employee segments. Those are some difficult challenges. And so been helping many clients think about that, which roles to differentiate. How do you think about differentiating performance and that sort of thing? So that's kind of been what I've been focused on. Yeah, it's a busy season. It's great to hear that you really hit the ground running in 2024 with so many of our members of the HR community. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, look, Jesse, as we're still in the early days of 2024, how would you best summarize the past year for HR professionals and members of the people operations community? Yeah. 
You know, I'd say on the one hand, it was a challenging year for HR professionals across many segments, you know, belt tightening for many of the clients. And so HR teams and leaders have had to navigate cutting their budgets, potentially layoffs and cutting staff, how to manage things more efficiently. And that can be not only challenging work, but also hard mentally and pretty exhausting. And so on the one hand, I know a lot of my um, HR colleagues out there were kind of glad to get to the end of the year and make it through a decent amount of that. And then on the flip side, actually, we're starting to see a lot of innovation in the HR space, particularly around, you know, you mentioned the first article around AI and where that's going and how to use technology in a more efficient way. Increasingly, HR professionals are being asked to think about talent more broadly too than just employees, but how do I manage things like potential contract talent and hybrid work and different global locations. And so there's kind of this interesting dichotomy of like, how did you manage the difficulty of maybe where the economy was, but also there's some of these really interesting trends and how do you maximize those? Thank you for that, Jesse. I think flexibility to me jumped out as the key term and the best way that I summarized this past year, seeing HR teams really learn to be flexible. Those that were flexible, organizations that embrace flexibility seemed to be the most successful and had the most success getting through, which was a challenging year, right? I think there's no shortage of that. And there were a lot of just different curveballs that were thrown and unexpected changes that came up throughout the year that even I think when we started 2023, it, we thought we'd have figured out a good way through. And going into 2024, we're still looking at that. I think AI is a great example. For sure. And then you throw in return to work is something that we're still trying to get a handle on what that right balance is. There's no shortage of conversation that's been had on that and, and that we'll continue to have going into the new year as teams figure out what that new normal is. Yep. Agreed. All right. So looking at just all that's happened over the past year, was there anything that jumped out at you that was a surprise that you didn't expect for 2023 that looking back really caught you off guard or just wasn't expected? Yeah, there's probably a couple of things. I think the first one was, despite all of the news about tightening economy and people having to think about cutting staff and cutting budgets, like I talked about before, a lot of companies and HR teams are still facing pretty significant talent supply issues. And, you know, you'll see in the article that drops, and I think we'll talk about it a little bit today, that that is a trend I think will continue. But, you know, a lot of teams, even though there's been economic uncertainty, are still really struggling in recruiting certain talent segments like engineering or product development or key senior leadership roles. And so those people are still pretty hard to find. And how do you start thinking creatively about your organization design, mix of talent, trying to think about people coming on a part-time basis or contracting or maybe where you recruit that talent? That's one trend that I think I was a little surprised that if you kind of look at it on a broad brush basis, you sort of think, okay, well, hiring is going to slow down, but it didn't in that segment, I would say. And then the second thing I would say is, you know, you mentioned return to work. I think a lot of companies, it's really like the pendulum swung all the way back, right? Where now you had almost every company in the news talking about how they were pushing everyone back into the workplace. And, you know, maybe they had a flex schedule of two or three days they could be work from home, but in general, a lot of them are trying to aim for back to five days a week in the office. And I think what I expected was maybe a little bit of a more moderate approach where people would settle into a more hybrid schedule and the benefits and the efficiencies learned from the pandemic and the advantages that that gives a decent number of companies that those lessons would be applied. But I think a lot of companies really felt like, hey, listen, we'd rather have 
a fully in-person workforce where we can maximize teamwork and collaboration and that we think outweighs those other benefits. And so that was probably a little bit more aggressive of a switch than I would have anticipated at the beginning of 23. Yeah. Thank you for those, Jesse. I couldn't agree more. I think that was really interesting to see how organizations reacted and learning that we could do it. We all proved that we could do it in a fully remote or a largely hybrid approach to work. But many large organizations who were setting the course for trends in the workforce were encouraging teams or mandating teams to come back fully in office. And I think it's been interesting to see both how employees have reacted, how employers have approached to find that balance with creating the right employee experience, which again is all too valuable and plays into again that talent relationship that you mentioned as well has been kind of interesting to watch and play out and has been a bit different this past year. Right. Yeah. And I think the story has not fully been written on this one. I think, you know, we'll continue to see companies experiment there and try to figure out what the right balance is. And it might not be the same for every single team in an organization. So I think this will continue to be a little bit of a topic for us to monitor and just see how it goes and kind of learn from each other. Yeah, I'm seeing more teams are becoming more intentionally unique. Each approach to work and what the workforce means and what your employee experience looks like is really unique to the organization and where they think their best course is going forward. It's hard to find between total rewards being offered to employees, between approach to in-office versus at-home, hybrid, you name it. No two companies seem one and the same. Everyone's a bit unique and a bit different, which could be an advantage to some teams as well. Yeah, fully agree with that. You know, the right companies will try to differentiate that and figure out, you know, what the right strategy is for each individual team. And we're seeing that for sure. Well, and then that goes back to, I think, your initial takeaway on the year that for many HR teams, it was an exhausting year trying to keep up with so many of those changes and find what the path forward is. And at times reacting, but at other times trying to really chart that course with business leaders and as business leaders to really find success in 2024. So I think it has been certainly not an easy year coming out of 2023, but I think that sets us up nicely going into 2024 where we can start to really act on what we've learned in 2023. Yep, for sure. I hope at least. But looking back at 2023, what were the biggest wins? What were the things you came away and said, you know what, this was actually a big win for the HR community? You know, the biggest thing I really loved seeing was how the HR community really reached out to help each other in 2023. You know, a difficult year with a lot of changes to navigate, whether it was return to work or efficiencies in the workforce that had to be created, which is always difficult to do. And so I saw across many communities and many different groups in these challenging times, people supporting each other, offering assistance, offering thoughts and tips, particularly if there were teams that were impacted, sharing or resharing job opportunities or lists of people impacted that were displaced and helping to identify opportunities. I mean, I personally know in more than one occasion where, you know, even in my own network, people were able to find new roles as a result. And that's, I think, when the HR community shines, when we tend to know really great people and we're meeting people all the time through our work. And, you know, unfortunately, when things like that happen, it's difficult, but we can often be a bridge for people to find the next best place for them and where they could really utilize their skills and help another organization. And so I saw a lot of that and that was really encouraging. And I think there's a lot of people out there that still need that help. And so I would just encourage you know, the people that are here listening today, if they are recruiters or HR business partners or other HR leaders, you know, think about those people who you might've seen over the last six months and who might need an opportunity. And if there's something you know about, you know, that can make a big difference in people's lives. Oh, that's great. 
I love that, Jesse. Yeah, that embrace of community, I think, was great this year. I'm glad you called that one out. And that's one that can't be understated and really in a challenging time for many employees, many professionals who, who again, may have gone through their fair share of layoffs and been impacted. I think seeing the community get together and support each other was great. Thanks for calling that one out, Jesse. That's perfect. So now one thing I was seeing just looking back at 2023 was really the rise of pay transparency conversations being more widely embraced and even required in many states in the hiring process. So as we're looking at how organizations can differentiate and we talked about flexibility and their approach to flexibility can often be in rewards too, not just in return to office and and the employee experience for existing employees, but for incentivizing and attracting new employees. How has the employee expectation around total rewards changed going into 2024? Yeah, this is a really interesting one that you called out, Josh. So I'm glad you mentioned it. I think more employees and more potential hires, they're expecting more information. They're armed with more information because there's a lot of public sources out there and you're seeing a lot of salaries and incentives and benefits getting publicly posted. They're able to compare different companies more easily. And so they come to the table armed with more info, but then they're also expecting in return employers to, you know, share some more information around what they offer and why. I think that's good. I actually think more information creates a more fair system and addresses equity issues that, you know, are longstanding in our society a little bit. And I think what we're also noticing is employees and employers are having more sophisticated conversations about this, right? More advanced conversations around pay. So what's our pay philosophy? Why is it set up that way? How should I interpret where I am in the salary range? And if I want to improve that positioning, what do I need to do? And what opportunities does the company afford me? What does it look like if I'm promoted? What are, what does the next range look like? Those are all the types of conversations that I'm seeing happen on a increased frequency now. And so I think for hires, like they come to the table now with more information and they're more prepared to have the right kind of conversations. And so that I think is a positive all around. Yeah, I think it's sparking more creativity on both sides. I think it's sparking more creativity from the employer, from the hiring teams to think about, okay, if we can't win the salary game against our competitors, you know where you stand and it forces you to then think more creatively of different total rewards that you can offer to balance that out and understand employee needs. And then on the employee side too, I think it's understanding, okay, do I go for highest salary with pay transparency? Where do my expectations kind of fall in the range of the roles that are available? And if it's a role that may be a bit below my expectation, what else can they offer? What else will I be willing to bend on that that I value more than just flat salary? For sure. And that's where I think that more advanced conversation is coming in. So for example, you know, is it more of a hybrid work situation? And do you offer flexibility there? That's actually worth something to me. If you can't quite get to where I want on salary, what does the incentive structure look like? How do you think about things like uh, equity or long-term incentives? Those are the types of conversations that typically would have become more advanced at more senior levels. But now you're starting to see on a broader basis, employees come to the table with those types of questions. And it's like you said, creating some more creative outcomes, I think. And it's challenging employers to come to the table with a more holistic solution and also for them to know how they're going to differentiate themselves in the market. Right. right? If you know you're not offering the most competitive salary for a variety of reasons. Maybe you're smaller, maybe you're at a different growth stage. What else can you be doing? You know, that's something that I think we'll continue to kind of see this trend advance in 24. 
That's great. So this idea of what else can you be doing is a great segue to the topic I really wanted to dig into today. And it ties back to the trends piece that we're now running on HR Daily Advisor that you just provided to us, the top human resources trends for 2024. Again, that's available today as you're listening to this episode on hrdailyadvisor.com. I highly suggest you check that one out to read all of Jesse's trends. But you made mention of a change in the approach to equity incentive awards. And I wanted to dig into that one a bit with you, Jesse. So can you start us off and just briefly explain how equity incentive awards work, how in times of interest rates, when they're lower, they can be a key component in total awards and non-cash compensation and even EVP. But then on other times when, again, the market is struggling, that may not be an option. Just walk us through that general program, if you don't mind. Yeah, for sure. So equity compensation, just as a starting point, is, you know, you're receiving stock in the company that you're working for or the right to receive stock after a certain period, a vesting period that might be three to four years. And, you know, that might vest incrementally over time, like every quarter or every year, or might vest at the end of a longer period, like at the end of three years. For many of the clients that I have that are in technology or in entertainment, it's been a pretty broad-based practice. But in other industries, it's typically been reserved for more the leadership roles and more meaningfully offered at that level. And so that's kind of the basics on how it works. And I think what we've noticed here recently is as 2023 drew on, it was a difficult period. You know, with higher interest rates, that hit stock prices particularly hard. And so you saw a lot of companies where their stock went down significantly. And if you've been using equity as a significant part of your employee value proposition on why you work there, which for tech companies is something you see quite a bit, you know, that had a meaningful hit on people's total compensation. And so um, that was a topic of conversation for many clients. And if you're given certain types of equity, like stock options that only have value if price goes up from the date the grant price that you were given for its performance-based equity, you know, where it doesn't vest unless you hit certain performance targets, right. you know, it might not be worth anything. And so that became, you know, a real concern for many companies. How do you deal with that? You know, there was a lot of work around that. And I think rethinking equity and how to utilize it and what role it plays, where it might provide still some really significant advantages. That's going to be definitely a trend going into 24. And we're going to see, I think, a lot of companies thinking about how do they utilize equity on a go forward basis or where may it not be as important or relevant and you want to use something else. Yeah. Thank you for that, Jesse. That was a great breakdown. What we're looking at when we're talking about equity incentive awards, how do teams that may have lost that bargaining chip that they once had when, again, the market was good and it, it was an attractive incentive? How do you pivot from that in the current market? Yeah. Well, there's a few things that I think companies could do. You know, first, continue to move toward equity vehicles that are more retention-based. So seeing a lot of clients moving toward granting time-vested stock or restricted stock or restricted stock units that you know, there's not really performance-based criteria there on the vesting or it's not an option where it's sort of dependent on only growth. It's just a share of stock. And if you stick around through the vesting period, then you will vest into it, right? That has a bigger retention impact. And in times of uncertainty where stock prices could languish for a little while longer, you know, that has pretty high perceived value by employees. I think also seeing that companies are also having to kind of relook at their grant guidelines, 
how much they grant because as stock prices go down, it requires more stock to hit your grant target, right? If you want to give somebody $100,000 and your stock price was 50 bucks, that requires a certain number of shares. And if your stock price went down to $10, sure, you need yeah. a lot more equity, right? And companies typically only have so much they can give each year. And that, you know, shareholders, if you start granting too much to employees, they are diluted more and more. And that's, that can be an issue for companies. And so this is definitely one where companies, I think, still realize it has a lot of potential value, but they're going to have to deal with the market dynamics and try to balance what do they need to do to retain employees, but also how do I satisfy shareholders and make sure that I'm striking the right balance. Looking at when equity incentive award program isn't your best option right now, what are some of those other non-cash alternatives that organizations and hiring teams should be looking at? When again, they can't match the salary game in 2024, but still want to attract top talent. What are some options yeah. that teams should be thinking about? Yeah, well, I guess the first one I would say is I still think it's probably going to be valuable okay. to think about using equity, right? So it's just in what form. So like I mentioned, maybe more time vested restricted stock or restricted stock units, maybe how you differentiate. So there might be particular roles or levels at where this is going to be more valued. You could also look at the market dynamic if you think that this was, say, maybe an overreaction in the market to your organization and your growth prospects are strong. It might be an advantageous time to give people a one-time equity grant because they can get all of the upside as the stock recovers. And if you communicate it the right way, this is sort of an opportunity to really re-engage your workforce. So I would say, number one, don't abandon equity completely because it's probably still got a lot of advantages for you, but think about it more smartly and how you differentiate and which segments make sense and the vehicles you use. The second thing I would say is look more broadly at, you know, what your competition is doing and where you might have an opportunity to differentiate elsewhere. So we talked about things like what your physical work policy is and how do you think about things like remote work? other benefits people are increasingly paying attention to. So what do you offer in terms of vacation and leave and maternity, paternity benefits and different types of either retirement offerings that you provide or deferrals that you might think about offering people if they want to kind of maximize their tax situation. There's a lot of things like that that I think companies could think about. And then finally, you know, I have a decent number of clients who are private companies who they might be more limited in equity. So think about maybe long-term cash plans that you might want to do to link to performance. And if you hit certain long-term strategy goals that people can really share in the rewards of that. And so I do think that there's a number of things to think about that companies could do here. And so again, like we talked about in 23, where HRTs have to be flexible, it's going to be the same story in 24. And I think when it comes to compensation in particular, I think starting to think flexibly, be creative about different solutions for different teams, this is going to be a trend for sure. Yeah. And what I've found is really appealing with equity programs that can be offered and equity awards can be offered. It really shows an investment in your workforce that, as you mentioned, can really incentivize and can really motivate teams. Companies invested in you, they're giving you a piece of the company as a reward here. Yeah. You've got skin in the game. That can certainly be advantageous to teams that can stomach against some of the challenges just in the market and what that's presenting. But again, that goes back to that idea of so many teams can be unique in their approaches and it really what works for one may not work for the other. And it goes down to 
what fits your workforce best, what you can endure in terms of just from a financial standpoint, um, and where you really can project going in 2024. For sure. And I think a really detailed look at what are the needs for each of your talent segments is important and really try to think about which elements are going to be best valued by employees. So if you do have a group where you know that uh, equity compensation is going to remain a really important thing, then you know don't rule it out. Think about actually how you might utilize it now differently and how you might use this as an opportunity to engage with your employees in a deeper way about, hey, here's our long-term strategy. And here, if we're successful, here's what we think this could look like for all of us. And that's why we want you to be an owner. And you know, this is an opportunity to really engage employees more deeply. Yeah, what, what a great key in retaining top talent as well. That's brilliant. All right, so Jesse, as we're looking again at what's coming in 2024, and you gave us some great trends that we can look forward to. Again, I'd I really encourage any of our listeners out there to check out Jesse's article, Top Human Resources Trends for 2024, when you get the opportunity. But let's make some bold predictions here. Let's make actually one safe prediction and one bold prediction going ahead to 2024. I like throwing these out there because we can look back and, and now that, again, we're going to have you back on a couple times this year, we can check back and really plant your flag in any wins that you call out. So if you had to today, make one safe prediction and one bold prediction for HR teams and the workforce in 2024, what would it be? Yeah, well, first, I look forward to uh, joining later this year so that I can know just how wrong I was. No, no, we won't hold you to anything that doesn't hit. But if you hit, we're going to celebrate that. We'll put you on the board. Sounds good. Well, I, I think one thing that's probably pretty safe is that there's still going to be this push for a lot of efficiency in workforces and um, many areas where that work, I think, you know, while difficult, will probably continue, right? So the aggressive post-pandemic pushes have subsided in a lot of different industries. And so we're still seeing weakening in a lot of different economies from Europe to um, China, et cetera. So if you've got a global business, you're probably still going to find yourself as an HR professional doing a decent amount of work on looking at your organization and where there are parts that might need to be either trimmed or could be done differently or the work could be located somewhere else. And so I think that's probably my safe prediction. And what I would say is if you are an HR professional in a global business, I just encourage you to stay abreast of a lot of the global trends and see where your company might have opportunities and think about where can work be done in lower cost locations. Like be ready to strategically add to that conversation around, are there opportunities in India and Vietnam or Mexico? And how should we be thinking about the talent segments there? And so that'd be my safe prediction, I think. And then what do you think on the bold set? Yeah, so the, the bold one, I would lean in even more heavily probably to uh, AI. And what was the first topic I really came and chatted with you guys around early last year and how it's going to revolutionize the workplace. I think the bold prediction would be that the pace is going to be more significant there and a lot more significant than people think. So we just saw the release of Gemini, which is Google's AI tool off of Bard. And uh, right. there's a lot of additional features there. So how it can be used, not just in text, but with video and audio and doing it across multiple languages. And so we saw that Microsoft took the chat GPT technology and incorporated it into Copilot. And so I think as Microsoft starts to incorporate a lot of this into 365 and Google starts to use Gemini across all of its G Suite applications, I think my bold prediction would be three quarters of us are using some form of that technology weekly in our work. You know, I love um, it. Remember, there are no wrong answers. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I just think like the full benefits of that 
we will start to realize it a little bit more. And we'll surprise ourselves at the end of this year and look back and say, wow, it's kind of weird. I couldn't really imagine myself not using it. I love it. Thank you for that one, Jesse. That's a great bold prediction to throw out there. And, and we'll, we'll check back. And like I said, we'll celebrate the wins if you nailed it. If not, we're not going to hold you accountable. No wrong answers there. But thank you for that one. Now, Jesse, again, having the opportunity to chat at the start of 2024, it's a great opportunity to look back. So you have something that you accomplished over the last year that you're most proud of. Wow. Uh, it's really uh, interesting question. Hard one to actually pick one thing. I think I would just say, you know, I felt lucky to be able to help a decent number of organizations all over the world. And, you know, I had the chance to work in Asia and Europe and the Middle East. And I think, you know, the opportunity to connect with different people and learn from them across many different cultures is something I really appreciate. And so at the end of 23, I was pretty, pretty thankful for that, I would say. And, you know, hopefully, um, you know, be opportunity to to do that this year and maybe share some of the learnings there. That's great. Well, it's back to that idea of community that we were talking about. One of the best things that you saw come out of the HR community in 2023 was that support of, of the community, supporting of fellow HR professionals. You were able to do that. And, and again, do that across the globe. I know as we were checking in throughout the year, you were always on the go and always traveling. So I'm glad you were able to really take some pride and some joy in that over the last year. And going into 2024, what do you have on that New Year's resolution list? What's something that you're looking forward to for maybe personal growth in 2024? Yeah, you know, I'm uh, pushing hard. I'm staying mentally and physically fit. A lot of that, you know, I think for a lot of us, the work can be pretty tough and draining, right? And so how do you make yourself more strong and resilient and think about that? And so, yeah, you know, built out the home gym. So I'm looking forward to using that. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's so interesting that we talk so much about the importance of burnout and self-care for workforces through the HR community. But sometimes you got to take it back home and make sure that you're taking care of yourself and, and thinking about your own personal health and wellness, prioritizing that. And that, you know, that's certainly been a, a priority for, for many of the folks that I've talked to going into 2024, myself included. I'm glad that you've got that one on the list as well here, Jesse. For sure. All right. Well, look, Jesse Meschuk, human resources expert and senior advisor with Executy. Thank you so much for joining the HR Works podcast. Again, this will be one of many check-ins that we'll do throughout the year here, but getting us kicked off for 2024 and giving us a quick look into that trends article that we've got now available on hrdailyadvisor.com is a great way to get us kicked off for the new year. So Jesse, thanks so much again for being back on the HR Works podcast, being our first three-peat guest here. Certainly a friend of the podcast. Uh, always enjoy connecting with you here and looking forward to connecting again soon. Yeah, honored to be with you guys once again and uh, look forward to chatting more in 24. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you for listening to the HR Works podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.